the nature, government, and function of the church, a reassessment. 2001, Kuiper Foundation, Taunton, England. Narrated by Nathan F. Conkey. Appendix C. Cottonian Independency and the High Presbyterians in the Westminster Assembly. Although the model of church government set forth in this essay occupies, in some respects, the ground between independency and Presbyterianism, it has some points of similarity with the model of church government set forth by John Cotton in his book The Keys of the Kingdom of Heaven, 1644, which is considered a classic statement of early congregational ecclesiology. This was the book that converted John Owen to Congregationalism. Cotton and the dissenting brethren in the Westminster Assembly were vilified as independents by the High Presbyterians of the day, by the Scottish Commissioners of the Assembly, and particularly by Robert Bailey, who sought to discredit Cotton and the dissenting brethren by all the means available to him. However, an examination of Cotton's book which was printed in England with a preface by two of the leading independents in the Assembly, Thomas Goodwin and Philip Nye, show that the form of church government then being put forward by the independents was one in which presbyteries, called synods in Cotton's book, had an important role, but in which a balance of power and authority was maintained between such presbyteries and the local churches. This balance was argued on the basis of biblical example and teaching, and represents a principle that neither Presbyterianism nor Congregationalism, as it subsequently developed, have ever achieved in practice. But the nature of church government was seen by these early independents as ministerial, not magisterial, or as Cotton put it, their office, that is the office of elders met together in synod, is stewardly, not lordly whereas the High Presbyterian Church government was seen as magisterial in nature. This was an important difference between the two parties, and their differing interpretations of the point at issue had far-reaching implications for the character of the two types of church government. But it was, at bottom, an issue relating not so much to the form of church government, or as to its nature or character, It was this disagreement over the nature of the power and authority exercised by the church authorities that, more than any other issue, separated Presbyterians from independence in the Assembly. Other than on this fundamental point, the only real difference between Cotton's so-called independent model and that of the Presbyterians was that in Cotton's model, the administration of ordination and excommunication would be at the level of the local church, would be at the level of the local church though the determination, declaration and publishing of such would be a matter for synod, that is, presbytery, also. Unfortunately, Cotton's book has seldom been reprinted and hardly promoted by the modern Reformed movement, which seems to have moved consistently away from the Reformed theology it supposedly espouses, and which seems to have taken up the cudgels for the magisterial form of church government espoused by the High Presbyterians. It is my conviction that, had it not been for the compromise necessitated by alliance with Scotland at the outbreak of the First Civil War and the consequent influence of the Scottish commissioners exerted on the Westminster Assembly, the form of church government hammered out by the Assembly would have been very close to the model put forward by John Cotton 
and would have therefore constituted a genuine English church settlement rather than the magisterial Scottish model that eventually got foisted upon the Assembly and its published deliberations. Of course, this is speculation, but it is informed speculation that can be supported by historical evidence concerning the ecclesial mindset of those English divines who attended the Assembly. The dissenting brethren in the Assembly rejected the charge of separatism, asserting that they occupied a middle way between Presbyterianism, that is, the Scottish magisterial model, and Brownism, separatism. They resolutely maintained the establishment principle no less than the Presbyterians, Episcopalians and Erastians. The influence of the Scottish commissioners, however, once it had triumphed in the Assembly, but not in the country, where High Presbyterianism was always unpopular, had, subsequently, the unfortunate effect of forcing members of the Assembly to align themselves on either side of a particular denominational line that could only bring dissent rather than unity. The result was a polarisation that could have been avoided were it not for the intransigent position adopted by the Scots and their constant determination to exploit their presence in the Assembly in order to foist uniformity with their own system on the English Church. This development, and the sectarianism that inevitably accompanied it, could only be detrimental to an English Church settlement that would have united the various parties represented in the Assembly in a national Church structure. England was, as a consequence, denied an English Church settlement that was biblically derived and acceptable to the English people, the greater number of which, Puritan divines included, desired an accommodation to all parties rather than an enforced uniformity. When the Presbyterians came to grasp power and the chance to enforce their magisterial system, that is, secure for their presbyteries the power that had accrued to the bishops before the interregnum, eventually seized what they considered to be a ripe opportunity and threw their wit behind the restoration of Charles II. The hope of such settlement was lost and the triumph of episcopacy was assured. The final irony was, as a result of their own handiwork, the presbyteries in England were forced into their nightmare scenario, viz. non-conformity, and persecuted in Scotland by their much-beloved king. This audio version of The Nature, Government and Function of the Church, a reassessment, has been produced by Reconstructionist Radio with LRNTeach.com and narrated by Nathan Conkey. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His kingdom.